How do you honor God? By doing everything to the glory of God. Not just not sinning, not just, okay, you don't steal from people, but by making good shoes. If we're going to talk about you were a new creation, that means everything has to change. Why does God not just, you know, bring people to heaven immediately after being saved? It's because there's stuff to do here. There's a point to all of this. And if we're Christians, we do it better, or at least in theory. But if we really apply the standard that's set in scripture, then we know that no one is good because no one is God. We serve a storyteller. We serve a, a God who has a perfect plan, a sovereign will for every moment of history. It's not about going into the world to make artists. It's about going into the world to make disciples. Hello, this is the Christian artist honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. My name is Carly. And I'm Sean. We are here once more with an episode of the Christian artist. This is episode 165 of the Christian artist, which is wow. a lot. And I'm excited it's about daunting. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. So before we get into the topic of our episode, Sean, Twitter famous, Sean, not Twitter. I mean, <laughs> I, I know you from Twitter. I honestly don't even remember how we became Twitter friends, but, um, I don't know. You were, you were cool. So I guess we, we just became <laughs> friends on Twitter. Tell us about yourself, Sean. Who are you? Yeah. What do you do? What do you spend your time? Well, I am a web developer. I am a dad, my husband. I probably got those backwards. My wife watches this. She'll be <laughs> mad with the order that I have. So, um, yeah, I'm out here in Denver, Colorado, and I do music. I play games, and yeah, we somehow became Twitter friends. I, I want to say it's part of that weird nexus on Twitter uh, um, around Emily Urban. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Again, I don't actually know. I just, you know, mm-hmm. um, saw tweets and <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's how that's how I ended up here. That is a really good way to describe that. The weird yeah. Twitter nexus around yeah. Emily Urban. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her that. The weird Twitter yeah. nexus around you. <laughs> yep. yep. It's very true. It's very true. Um, we had Emily Urban on a couple yeah, of times in the yeah. podcast, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sean, well, what are we talking about today? You, you pitched this topic. What's, uh, yeah. Uh, talking about work, about normal life, regular work and what that means, uh, as a Christian, as creative Christians as whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Uh, what does it mean to work to the glory of God? What does it mean to be a Christian in, you know, chances are you're in a quote unquote secular workplace, um, Cultural views on work, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, Rihanna song, work, 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 work. <laughs> yeah, I've been excited to talk about this topic because, um, I mean, ultimately this is a lot of what the Christian artist is about, um, just as kind of a uh, a microcosm as a, uh, a kind of foundation. Is what is what does each sphere of life look like when we're trying to honor Christ through it? And that that still functions beyond the church. And I think, I mean, that's one of the main things that we like talking about in this podcast is, you know, Christianity is not just you're, you know, in a, in a church and whatever you do in the church, that's, that's Christian. Um, but anything outside of the church, eh, um, right. we want to, uh, 
go away from that uh, paradigm. And uh, we want to glor- glorify God in everything that we do, including a regular old job that has nothing to do with um, the church, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So um, you said you're a web, de- a web developer. How, just as like a kind of jumping off point, how do you kind of view that whole thing foundationally um, when you're looking at it from your perspective, right? As a web developer, how do you approach being a web developer, keeping that thought in mind, right? Like I want to glorify God and everything that I do, including the regular job that I do. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a lot of it comes down to which really, I mean, if we ever talk at all, stewardship is going to come up a lot Mm. because it's, a set of skills that for whatever reason I have and have developed. Um, I mean, I learned it. It wasn't like I was born coding, but <laughs> so what does it mean to be good at that? Right. What yeah. does it mean to actually steward, steward that, to take that, um, thinking about the parable of the talents. Um, what does it mean to not bury that? Um, and then make up some excuse for why I didn't turn that into more than what it was when I, when it was first given to me. It's also nice because at least for what I do, there is a, there's a, there's a really high sort of blend of it's, it's a skill. There are right ways to do things. There are ways to make things performant and efficient and readable and all that kind of stuff. And then there's also a lot of ways to just be creative of, to solve problems in new ways. Or I I do a lot of like UI and front end stuff. And Mm. so there's a lot of ways to be creative and make things beautiful and attractive and usable and all that. So there's the stewardship piece of it. There's just the being good at it. Um, you know, I like to, I I like to think that I try to take an approach of if you're, if you're going to say that you're working for the glory of God, then you should be good at it. You know, it's, you, you, you don't get to slap the label on it. Um, and then do shoddy work and say, well, it's okay because it's, this, you know, this is Ichthus web design. So, uh, <laughs> that, that magically makes it okay and more deserving of your money or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yep. Like, I mean, right, right off the bat, we can say like Christian yeah. music, right. Yeah. That I could see, I could see the smile on Carly's face and I knew that's where she was going to go. I mean, I mean, I was uh, just going to go in general. Like we talk about that all the time here is yeah. like, oh, yeah. you're going to make art you have to make it to the glory of God, which means it has to be good. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean you <laughs> put little crosses be, on it. Yeah, like exactly. Martin Luther always likes to say, yeah. I say always like he's still alive and still talking <laughs> about this topic. <laughs> like, he, like he said last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you just go down the list of things that are like quote unquote Christian and the world automatically assumes Christian music. Yeah. Eh, that's not really great. Christian movies, uh, you know, only Christian people watch those movies and they're not very good anyway. Yeah. You know, like those are the stigmas that people have with all forms of quote unquote Christian art. I remember uh, on uh, Apologia Studios, their YouTube channel, Jeff Durbin was talking about that. And one of his uh, congregants was like, yeah, I want to go into like the movie industry. And he was like, the Christian movie industry? not the Christian movie industry. Right. And he was like, no, not the Christian movie industry. And he was like, that's a right. good move. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cause I, I think what's sad is probably there are innumerable, incredible Christian musicians, filmmakers, artists out there. You just don't necessarily know it because they're not slapping that 
label on what they make, right? They're mm. just making good movies. Um, yeah. Even somebody who, you know, the the depth or how much I think his faith is orthodoxy or not, but somebody like Scott Derrickson who did Doctor Strange and Insidious and some cool movies who at least, I mean, he's a liberal, but he professes to be a Christian and says that that's very much like a driving behind how he makes his movies. And then you watch something like Doctor Strange and you're like, wow, I actually can, like, I can see that there is somebody who has some level of faith in Jesus like putting these themes into this and it's a really good movie versus you know fireproof 11 or whatever <laughs> is going on. um not to, i mean you know i think yeah. there are people making that that quote-unquote crappy christian art who are good people trying their best yeah and yeah. and and for what it's worth i have never made a movie I've been writing mm -hmm. songs since I was 14. I haven't made any albums. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can only bash it so much, but there is a level of, if, like we were talking about, if you're, especially if you're going to do the dangerous thing and slap that label on it, mm -hmm. um, then you're suddenly raising the bar like impossibly high mm. of like the quality of this thing in and of itself is supposed to like somehow inherently glorify God rather than the way I do it, the effort I put into it, the skill I, I, I do it with is the thing that glorifies God. And I, you know, mm -hmm. and there's a, there's a mix of both, but. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think one of the notes that you sent me in, in the email when we were kind of talking about the, the topic um, kind of leads right into this, right? Like why, why is it that Christians tend to have a view like that when specifically when we're talking about art, but, you know, also beyond that, um, I, I was reading um, uh, Doug Wilson's Productivity uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and one of the things he mentions in there is just the idea that, like, you know, if you're a, a Christian cabinet maker, right, like you're expected to make good cabinets, not to, um, you know, be able to get discounts because, you know, from other Christians because, oh, I'm a Christian, so you should, you know, uh, you know, you should pay me more or whatever. Um, but rather uh, do everything with excellence. And if you don't make good cabinets, then that's saying something about your Christianity. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think like, why is it that Christians act like that? Why, why do they feel like being a Christian means they have less of a standard rather than more? Where, where do we get that from? Anyone know? I mean, I can tell you off the bat when it comes to, and I mean, I don't want to spend all night harping on the Christian music industry because it's been done to death. And also it's just, it's such an easy mm -hmm. target. Um, yeah. But I mean, th the reason there is because it's an industry. It is, yeah. it's the same, it's the same people who drive the country music industry. A lot of the top 40 pop industry, it's the exact same people producing it because they know that they can turn out a, a product quickly with low investment. And they can they can move a billion units to the Caleb crowd, and it doesn't have to be good because there are people who feel like, well, I have to buy the Christian stuff, right? Yeah, um, it's inherently better or more holy, or you know, God's happier if I'm listening to the the Caleb bands versus the yeah. the secular bands. Um, mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it, may, it probably has less to do, more to do with 
the kind of weird expectation that Christians are given to consume whatever that thing is, right? You know, um, instead of, you know, the other way around, which is, you know, we as Christians should be keeping each other accountable um, to do everything with excellence, to glorify God in everything. Um, and instead we had this weird kind of like um, obligation to just consume whatever a Christian produces just because it's, it's Christian. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned in the, in the email, this is why I brought this up, was um, I, I think part of it has to do with this kind of weird view of just work in general, um, right? That that almost as if work foundationally is bad. And then, you know, like, so excellence in work, it's like, okay, you know, what, what is what is work for? I guess it's really just kind of like so we can pay our bills and that's kind of as yeah. far as it goes. And then with like Christian you know, media or art or whatever, it's so we can share the message of the gospel. And that's the only purpose it could ever have. And as long as you mention Jesus in there, then we're good. Um, well, I would say, I would say there, there are a couple of things there. I would say mm-hmm. it comes down to the culture of the church because um, if, if all Christian music was designed to share the gospel, I would like Christian music. The Mm. issue is, instead of sharing the gospel, they say Jesus loves you, and they think that's the gospel. And they put that out as God-glorifying music, when in reality, it's like, eh, uh, you need a few asterisks there in order for that to be the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I think it comes down to, and and like you were saying before, I didn't want to interrupt, but... um, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with like why Christians want to consume Christian art all the time is because the American church culture has a high view of encouragement and a very low view of accountability. And so that comes out as Mm. I have to listen to the good quote unquote Christian music um, because it's encouraging and it's not challenging it's it positive, it encouraging, safe for your exactly. family. Life on exactly. a two point five, <laughs> right? Now, and her- heresy is not in- safe for your family. So <laughs> <laughs> now I do think I do think since we're just getting right back on the Christian music train, <laughs> yeah. um, we're gonna ride that for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like think about parents, right? And the the kind of music our unbelieving culture, the kind of art our unbelieving culture produces. Um, and when you actually like analyze it, like the, and I don't, I don't use this word lightly as like a, a throwaway word, like the filth that is actually out there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just talking about like sexually explicit lyrics, mm-hmm. like the, the worldview filth, the, mm-hmm. the nihilism, the yeah. materialism, the, the godlessness that is so inherent and so prevalent in so much art. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really blame parents that much for buying I was about to say Barlow girl. I don't even know if you guys would know who that yeah. is, mm-hmm. but yep. for buying, <laughs> buying those. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how big the age gap here is, but um, for buying that stuff for their kids, because yeah, it might not be great, but at least, at least, you know, like what they're getting is something corny and safe versus, <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. I don't know. How, yeah. I don't know why my that's fair daughter is suddenly like a, like super depressed, nihilistic, teen, angsty teenager. Like, well, what is she listening yeah. to? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now on the other hand, I was, I mean, I was fortunate that my, this is way off topic, but I, I was really fortunate that my dad is like Mr. Paranoid about worldview stuff. Mm-hmm. And I inherited that from him. So like, 
you could never really enjoy a movie or a TV show or a song because he oh, yeah. could always rightly point out <laughs> like, well, you know what they're really saying there. Um, yep, that's our dad you know. to a T. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, but it, but it's actually like a good skill to have yeah. to be discerning and to be able to help other people go, yeah, there's parts of this that are like well done and the production is good and it's pleasing in some ways. And also what's underneath it and what's underlying some of the message here is awful. Like it's, yeah. it's filth. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think learning to be discerning that way. Um, there's a great, on, on the topic of the work thing, and especially when it comes to Christian stuff, yeah. I would recommend... Um, the audio mullet podcast, which is produced by, um, Ethan, Nicole, who wrote Axe Cop and oh, is yeah. one of the Babylon B yeah, sure. guys, um, Doug Tenaple, who created Earthworm Jim, yep. yep. um, who I found out is an awesome Christian guy. Um, and Mike Nelson from mystery science theater 3000, who is also a wonderful Christian man, which blew my mind because that's a huge part of my life was MST 3k and all the movie riffing and they do a podcast and this, that's, this is what they talk about most of the time. And I'm sorry, I'm doing the, the kind of jerk move of like, come on a podcast and promote a different podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad fine. this is interesting. Yeah. But they've, they've talked about this a lot because there are, there are three guys who work, two of them live in Hollywood um, and produce things for film and television and sell shows to Netflix and do art. Mm-hmm. One's a comedian who does movie stuff and they talk a lot about, what does it mean to to do quality work in a hostile culture, in a secular culture? But I, I really liked what I think it was Doug Tenable was saying about like, do you hire the plumber who's got the ichthus on his truck? Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I actually think like God is more glorified by like the work of like 666 pentagram plumbing coming to my house and doing a really, really good job plumbing. <laughs> like God's more glorified in that work. Mm. Um, then Ichthus plumbing showing up and doing a crappy job. Yeah. Because yeah. like one is taking the Lord's name in vain. Hmm. The other is like, is <laughs> using gifts that he's been given by God, whether or not he acknowledges that or gives God the glory for that. Like God, God's glorifying himself through yeah. those skilled hands still. Yeah. Um, more so than the, you know, the guy who slaps the, the Jesus fish on and to kind of patch over. Um, and I don't hmm. know that everybody does that. Like, deliberately like i'm gonna put the jesus fish on and then be super lazy yeah but it can kind of if you if you have a built-in market regardless of how good your product is yeah your product's going to suffer yeah i mean i feel like that is why country music is the way that it is (laughs) (laughs) it's it's popular it it's it sells right Mm -hmm. um and it 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 used to have to be good because they were competing against rock and roll (laughs) Mm -hmm. rock and roll was huge and country was this tiny niche market Mm -hmm. and they had to compete and expand and then unfortunately the way to really do that is to hit the lowest common denominator yeah so angel angel said in chat hey country music can be good i know angel i know just just can be with you can be can be old stuff like johnny cash maybe yeah yeah johnny cash is good (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um, yeah, there's lots of weird subcultures like that where it's like, yeah, like we, there's an in, inbuilt fan base that like you can just market pretty much anything to and they'll just buy it for some reason. Yeah, those sorts of weird subcultures fascinate me. And- the the God's Not Dead movies were a prime example. <laughs> oh, such a prime example yeah. because you you would watch them and they would hide behind this is evangelistic, even though the gospel wasn't present. 
Um, and you would watch the movie and feel like if you were to diss the quality of the movie, you would be dissing the gospel. <laughs> and that's, that's how they do it yeah. is, yeah. is they hide behind we're we, they hide behind a cross quite literally and are like, you can't mess with, you can't insult the quality of what I do because if you do that, I'm just going to say, Oh, you just hate Christians. And that was the, <laughs> that was the entire marketing scheme of God's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> was if you insult me as a Christian, like you're insulting God it, and like, I don't know that that was, <laughs> Yeah. Well, we yeah. we also we have it, particularly in American evangelicalism, like niceness is considered like the chief godly virtue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And to not be nice, so to right. say, like as, as Jeff Durbin says, it's the eleventh commandment: "Thou shalt." That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Shut be as we are. I like that. Um, but it's exactly like what Connor was saying. Like, if I make a terrible movie nobody's allowed to say it's terrible because that wouldn't be nice. And that might hurt my feelings. And you know, the 12th commandment is if you hurt someone's feelings, you go right to, right to hell. Like, <laughs> that's it. Um, no, get out of jail. And so actually having like heretical beliefs. No, no. But as soon as you criticize someone for having heretical beliefs up, oh, you have definitely straight to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, the I can... heretics go ahead. Oh, I mean, we, you know, the, even not the, the heretical stuff as much. It's just the, you know, this art is bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like there are objective issues with it or that this worksman worksmanship is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And like, you should step up regardless of your hurt feelings, but that's not nice. And so it's hard to have those conversations, yeah. um, you know. Mm -hmm. What were you gonna say, Connor? I was gonna say that um, the heretics are the ones that um, denounce the heretics. The, the true heretics are the ones that announce the heretics. It, we, a false belief is fine. But once you insult, uh, quote unquote, insult somebody for having those false beliefs, then then you're the Pharisee. Well, it's, it, well, it's Shailen. You know, the only heresy is saying that there's heresy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. The Shailen quote there. Yeah. Well, back to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Christian this artist. Is the Christian artist. Many rabbit trails. Yep. No, that's great. This is what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. Uh I mean, I, I do think the uh, a big part of what we're talking about is it comes down to the issue that I think m more people re like deal with and we realize is just the the concept of the sacred secular divide, yeah. yep, um, which drives so much stuff. of yeah. yeah. Um, well, like like you were saying at the top of the show. Well, we you know I I oh well, I'm just a I'm just a plumber. I don't you know I don't do you know, any ministry or anything like that. Like the, my pastor is doing like Christian work mm -hmm. and I'm just a plumber. I'm just a web developer. I'm just a baker. Um, and that's not like, that's nowhere in the Bible, right? That's, that's not anywhere to be found in what the Bible has to say about work and what glorifies God. And yet that drives so much of how, uh, I mean, I, I, for years dealt with anxiety. I'm, I'm 33. I've been working since I was 13. Um, and I dealt with so much anxiety and stress for so long because I wasn't working like in the ministry, quote unquote. Yeah. I really felt like that's if I was really going to glorify God and use my talents for him, it needed to be on a church's payroll, essentially, mm -hmm. is what that boiled down to. Um, and even as I got older and that wasn't happening, sort of trying to figure out ways to like mentally connect myself like, well, I'm doing this and that, you know, I can sort of say that that 
connects to the ministry somehow this way. Um, and then finally, like getting to a point of realizing, like, I don't have to be doing things that's like directly related to the ministry of the church mm-hmm. in order to be glorifying God with my work. Um, yeah. And in fact, trying so hard to do all that led to me doing crappy work. Yeah. Which was yeah. having the opposite effect of like, you're, mm-hmm. you, you suck as a salesman or as a whatever you're doing because you're so focused on quote unquote, getting into ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not. Yeah. 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 I, I recently read, uh, Popes and Feminists and, uh, in that she talks a lot about how, I mean, specifically for women in this book, she talks about how women feel pressured to, um, be in ministry in some way, because, you know, what other value is there in, other careers or at least you know there's less value in that is kind of the view um and especially with feminism it kind of impacts that coming into the church is like oh well where should a woman actually be to like make the most difference um and of course she pushes for you know being a wife and mother is just as if not more valuable than being in any other career but also you know the reformation frees women to be in any kind of career and do that to the glory of god Um, and so I think even just in general with men and women, like we can be in any career path, even if it's not like a professional career path, um, or if it's not directly involved in ministry, Mm -hmm. we can still be involved in that and not, um, not be doing lesser work for the kingdom of God than we would be just being directly involved in ministry. I I think there's a connection there now that you mentioned the, the, um, women wanting to be like uh, making a difference in the church. I feel like there's a connection there to women pastors of feeling so much like I have to be in the church doing ministry work in order to have be glorifying God. I I feel like there might be a connection there to women. A lot of the argument there is like, Oh, well, what if a woman feels called to ministry? It's like, well, (laughs) <laughs> maybe she's not called to that form of ministry. Maybe she is called to another form of ministry. That yeah. and, and and when we have this, yeah, that two kingdoms kind of weird view of uh, sacred versus secular work, um, then it can feel like, oh, but anything I would do outside of literally being like a pastor and a teacher or an elder or whatever is lesser, you know? Yeah. And, and it's not the case, right? Like yeah. there isn't a divide between those two things. Any sign of work is, can be, glorifying to God in the same way. Um, you know, just because, you know, all of us as Christians are called to preach the gospel, you know, tell people about Jesus, the whole, you know, nine yards there. Um, and we don't have to have a professional capacity doing that to be considered valuable to the kingdom. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the biggest thing is feeling valuable to the kingdom. I feel like, it's really an identity in work um, because, because there, there is right. I mean, one of the first questions you ask somebody when you have a conversation with them is what do you, what do, you do, do for a living? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, so there's so much That's identity that John comes the from of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, so people feel like if I'm not in the ministry or, or even, even, I mean, you just hear like, um, 
sermons in in churches of, of pastors being like, well, maybe you're called to missionary work. You know, maybe you're called to go preach yeah. in Africa. You know, there's so much emphasis on mission work um, that we don't have anybody to take care of the society that we live in. Um, and so we have to rely on um, non-Christians to do better work than us because we don't think it's a better, a, a good use of our time right. to you learn a skill and do it well. Saying maybe you're called to be a great plumber. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, cause there's an inherently Gnostic view there of the real, yep. the real world is in the secret right. spirit <laughs> realm. Yep. Um, and we're in like the, the fake shadow world. Yep. And so right. the stuff we do here doesn't really matter. Um, again, going back to the, the, Last episode that I remember watching live, uh, which is, you know, essentially Baptistic premillennialism ruins everything because what you end up with is, I mean, yeah, get good at your job. Like, I want to quote like, that so badly. Because, <laughs> like, who cares, right? Because God's yeah. going to burn this whole thing down and we're all going to float up in the clouds yep. and there's not going to be any more jobs and there won't be any more code or roads or bread to bake or any yep. of that kind of stuff. So, like, it, it might help you pass the time until you get there, but there's no um, ultimate value in that. Um, yeah. Whereas if, if God's going to restore the physical world um, physically, mm -hmm. then uh, I'd say there's a pretty good chance there will still be like electricity. Yep. Right. Oh, know? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the moment yeah, I realized that, yeah, the moment <laughs> yeah. I really actually understood that whole concept, my mind was absolutely blown and I felt I felt freedom. Yeah. I felt like release yeah. from this huge pressure of like thinking that most of the stuff I spend my time doing was completely worthless and useless. Yeah. Yeah. Um it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah, to yeah. to 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 be like okay, well, let's, let's say I spend my whole life doing this profession. Um, I, I, I used to want to be a police officer and I used to think, well, what would be the point in protecting people's physical lives if, if they just go to hell? And so that would be a waste of a life in a profession because it, I, I need to be a pastor instead because that's where things are really going to matter. Or even just feeling like, like video games were wrong and sinful because I was like, well, this is something I enjoy. And then feeling guilt because I'll be like, I'll never get to play video games ever again in heaven. And I was like, I was like, I was like, I remember being a young kid yeah. and loving yeah. video games and being like, I'll never play this again in heaven and feeling like a sense of loss yeah. and being like, but now I should feel guilty because I should just want to worship God for eternity. So well, I, yeah. So tonight at tonight at dinner, my so we have four year old twins. We've got a boy and a girl. Oh, um, and we've got a little baby, a little baby boy as well. But tonight at dinner, my my older son. Somehow the topic came up. My wife mentioned something about the way her grandpa used to be, and then he asked where he was, and she explained that he's you know he's in heaven right now, like with the saints, and uh, you know, and we we've had some of those conversations with the kids. Um, they ask, and we we're not withholding that information. And so we were telling, you know, talking to my son now about what's it going to be like to go to heaven and um, what does that mean? And all, all that. And then he just lost it. Cause he was like, I don't want to go to heaven. I would miss our home and our backyard. Mm -hmm. 
and he was just so sad at the idea of like but then like all this stuff that i love like here on earth is just like and so i like once he calmed down i like to coincide and like i actually explained like no you're like going to heaven means like we are with god we're with jesus and it's amazing like it's never dark the bible says that like god is right there in the middle of everything and he his light is actually so bright that like it's not even ever nighttime and he's wiped away the tears from everyone's eyes but i was like but, but the 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 point is never to be in heaven forever like jesus is going to come back to earth and we're all going to come back with him and live here with him forever and there's going to be backyards and parks and trees <laughs> and like all that stuff is still going to be there it's just going to be made perfect but that was a, like the a great example i just had tonight of like that if the hope is just well this was kind of nice like you know this was essentially like the best kind of purgatory we could have gotten like we <laughs> just won the purgatorial right. lottery um of in between places before we get to like the real end end game um versus no man like we we have hope like there's gonna be backyards like yeah. <laughs> you know like it's there's still gonna be grass and yep. all the things that you love are here on earth are gonna be there they're just gonna be made perfect yep. versus yeah man sucks like you I, love tr you love trucks and there's <laughs> one day they're just all gonna explode <laughs> god hates trucks and trees <laughs> sorry yeah exactly yeah it, it's I, first of all i just want to say sean you're a very good dad uh secondly i really yeah, really want to have kids <laughs> yep. so you can tell uh, when the guy doesn't hate their trucks and yep. he's not yeah yeah that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, uh, something and i'm sorry i'm not i'm not trying to play a host here because oh no, no please like but something yeah. something carly said <laughs> did remind me of um caleb and i's email mm. um with just how so let's bring the two together uh how work is portrayed in art in, in our day and age mm -hmm. uh, and how much that contributes yeah. to yeah. people's view of it um, yeah. especially you know I'm particularly talking about TV and movies, which is where most people get their <laughs> worldview mm -hmm. um, and their art. Um, and the way work is usually portrayed is it, it's weird. Like there, there's either the work is like the necessary evil, right? I mean, I live in, I live in freaking Colorado. Like everybody here works for the weekend. Like work is the thing that pays for the boats and the skis and the snowboarding and the, and the weed. And that's yeah. like, that's why you go to work. Um, mm -hmm. You go to work so that you can afford to not be at work. Um, and that's often how it's portrayed in TV and movies, which are these, these common stories, right. That we, that get told over and over and they become part of our, how we, the story our collective that we tell. consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, you know, you either have like the burned out sitcom dad, who's like working for the man and hates his job and just wants to get away. And all he wants to do is crack a beer and be stupid when he gets home. Um, <laughs> Or you have like you have evil Just corporate man. So who's many like, people in TV shows <laughs> and movies. Wow. Yeah. Or you have evil corporate man who's like pursuing a career, but he's yeah. bad because when men pursue a career, it's only to be bad and evil and step on the little guy. Um, and then you have career woman who's like the superhero, right? Like she's right. <laughs> selling her soul to just as much as evil career man but she's a hero but, but she's a woman yeah so, yeah yeah and so and that's and that's like idolized for in in that cultural portrayal like yeah. the highest honor mm -hmm. 
the greatest thing a woman could do is have breaking that a, glass ceiling. Yeah. yeah. A, a high profile career and be successful in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that's bad or women shouldn't be successful right. in the workplace, yeah. but the, the way we portray it in these common shared stories is just so, it just drives that so much of mm -hmm. like, I'm just working for the weekend or, well, if I, if I want to like be like good in my career, that's like, that's like bad. Cause I'm, I'm selfish or I'm greedy. Um, you know, that's avarice and that's greed. Um, and if you're a woman, like the worst thing you could ever do is not have a career, like a serious high profile, high power career. Like yeah. you're wasting your life if that's not what you do. Um, you know, and God forbid you be a stay at home mom, like that just what a, what a waste of your abilities and talent. Yeah. Um, and then we wonder why people have such messed up views on work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just, just, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I just yesterday, uh, Mickey and I had a uh, premarital counseling session with our pastor. And one of the things he said was like, um, we, we were just asking him questions about things. And he was like, one of the things that I had to learn with um, my wife in our first like three years of marriage was like, just understanding that the mundane um, is not bad or it's not pointless and that uh, you don't, you don't live for these uh, like Sunday moments or um, the, the, the weekend when you can moments. actually, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, well, not even just in the relationship, just in, in like family life, right. feeling like folding the laundry and changing the diaper for the baby is uh, lesser. And uh, God can't use that as much as he can use the, the ministry moments where you're going out and evangelizing. Um, and, and he was like, uh, do you think that going out and evangelizing or, uh, or he, he was like, between these two scenarios, which one do you think is more sanctifying, you know, going out and evangelizing or when you're getting really frustrated and irritated um, with your wife and she asks you if you can take care of the baby when the baby wakes up in the middle of the night, like, which one do you think is more sanctifying experience? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. You think, you know, what your sin is like, and you think, you know, how, <laughs> how depraved your heart is until you get married. Yep. And then you really think you've got it figured out after a few years of marriage, like, all right, I have gotten down into the depths and then you have a baby and you're like, wow like i'm mad i'm i'm angry at a baby right now that's, that's, that's how black my heart is yeah it's like i'm mad at a baby like it's a baby and i'm i'm like oh stupid baby like you're such a jerk for not sleeping right now and yeah. like you learn you learn things about yourself that you can't unlearn uh, when you get married and then when you have kids and it's yeah well i think even going back to that like Okay, there's a let's say there's a pile of laundry at home, whether you're single or married, right? You got a pile of clothes on the floor. Just don't go there. <laughs> like that's very clearly not how you steward what God's given you, right? And you go out street evangelizing, right? Well, because I gotta get to like what God's calling me to, right? It's like, well, he gave you a pile of laundry at home. Like, <laughs> like it's like you don't need to wonder, like, where's where's God calling me to? Like, where I don't understand what God could possibly be calling me like to do or to care for like house you shut your eyes looking around yeah. your house like clean your desk like <laughs> yeah. take a shower yeah. um you hmm. know pick pick up your house get your desk organized do good do good work like mm -hmm. 
literally you can throw something in your house and you will hit something that God has given you very specifically <laughs> to sanctify you for you to take care of, to steward, um, and to, to glorify him in that. And especially when it's hard when it's like, we, we think that God's glory is synonymous with people seeing God being glorified, like other people seeing it. Um, so like, well, nobody sees that stuff. So God's not, God's not getting glory for that because like, it's not, it's not being broadcast publicly versus like God, God sees everything. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, God like, sees he's it. He's <laughs> the only one that really like, yeah, no one, not, not everyone sees things that give him glory, but he sees them and he's the one that matters that, that sees yeah. them. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. And I think right, like this sort of stuff going off what you just said there, Carly, this sort of stuff matters even for like the very smallest pieces of work. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite novels of all time, um, grew up reading this series over and over and over again is the Belgariad series, this fantasy, fantasy series. And, uh, it's classic, you know, farmer boy is, there's a prophecy and he has to fulfill his destiny, that whole thing. Um, but the beginning of the book is just like him growing up in this, backwater town farm middle of nowhere you know just completely mundane humble beginnings and one of the scenes that i will always remember and it's always just had such a meaning for me is when he's talking with the blacksmith and this blacksmith just ends up being an important character throughout the series almost kind of like a uh, a dad to to this kid who's like orphaned obviously because it's a fantasy series um and they're having a conversation about wagons and the um the blacksmith is like fixing something underneath the wagon he's like you kind of like a jack of all trades sort of thing out on this farm he does a lot of the different work um and he he fixes something on the wagon and the boy says wait why do you care about that nobody's gonna see that like it doesn't matter if that's fixed like that's just it's just underneath the wagon like nobody's gonna care and the blacksmith looks at him and says but i know it's there and every single time I see every single time this wagon goes by, I'm going to know that I did something wrong. And I see this wagon every day. And so always do the very best job you can. Like, because, and, and, you know, he goes on to explain this, like, you know, uh, virtue of, you know, doing good work. And that, that scene is always stuck with me because that is ultimately the life of a Christian in so many ways. Like it, it no one is going to see this little thing that you do except for you and God, it yeah. still matters. In some ways it matters more than anything else because that's the, those are the moments that you make or break your Christianity. Those little moments of whether or not you fix the wagon, the little piece underneath the wagon that nobody else is going to see. <laughs> so, so before we get misquoted in um, Christianity is all up to uh, repairing wagons. Um, <laughs> that, that line just think about that line yeah. you just said <laughs> but you know. uh yeah i think i think integrity is one of the yeah. the biggest things that a christian can have in his work um uh mickey and i during this quarantine time have been watching a lot of prison break um and one of the one of the things i remember or i i, I had had forgotten about uh re-watching the series is how um, how much integrity the warden has in the prison. Um, and yeah. when his um, insubordinate, who's like not, not insubordinate. Subordinate. Yeah, yeah insubordinate. Subordinate. 
Subordinate? Okay. Insubordinate means someone um, is not acting as a proper subordinate. Okay. Okay. Well, well, he wasn't. He was, yeah. you know, being a very dirty guard and selling off uh, different rights to prisoners and stuff like that. And um, he gets caught. Um, and the warden is like, okay, look. Um, and, and they like fire the, the guard or something like that, like the higher ups do. And uh, he, and they're like, well, and warden, you'll have like, three months probation or something like that. And, and he's like, it'll like, no, like I I quit because it'll be, it'll be a, a, it'd be horrible. Uh, Like I'll never turn my back on like one of my own. And so if, if he's going to go down for this, I'm, I'm going down with him and I'm quitting. And I just remember like after that scene, just being like, Oh, like so much integrity from that warden. Um, And it just, it really just like, speaks to you of when somebody has that much integrity to take the fall with somebody when they don't have to, just because, well, I'm responsible for that guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And and those are just the moments like, like you're saying with the wagon and and taking the fall with um, your subordinates. Um, Those are the kind of moments that really do, or, or I guess you could say you can find value and purpose in everyday mundane life with those types of moments. And it doesn't have to be this big flashy while well, I'm quitting that if my, you know, guy gets fired, it can be more of those moments with the wagon of, you know, I'm, I'm going to notice that I didn't do a perfect job. I'm going to notice that I saw this thing that was going to make this better. And I chose not to do it because I knew I could get away with it. Um, and that's, that really speaks to someone's integrity and, and someone's love for God when they do their work in such a way that they can say I'm glorifying God with it and have it actually have meaning and purpose and be, and be looked on with approval of, yeah, he, he did that because he's glorifying God. Um, and, and, and like, like that verse, like, you know, that, that we get the idea from where everything has to be seen in order to be glorifying to God. Um, we get or the, that verse of, um, you know, do do things in such a way that um, your light will you know shine to other people to the unbelievers and stuff like that um, that those are the kind of things that um, people then can see and say yeah no that that man is glorifying God and you know and see that and and, 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 and actually be able to think that whereas you take Christian music or the Christian movie industry for example and you don't think it's glorifying God you think they're a bunch of fools and idiots because they think they're glorifying God and making trash art. Well, I think you, when you mention you know, the Bible talking about letting your light shine before all men and the city on a hill and all that stuff. And we hear that and we're like, well, that, that's like a big light, right? Like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do something yeah, like yeah. showy and big. Right. And we, we miss that that's in the context of a book that has like, gets very specific about like the kind of scales you use to weigh out money, like in payments and like whether or not you're treating all your customers fairly, or if you're giving preferential treatment to certain customers based on such and such and whether or not, you know, you're lending with interest or lending, like it gets really into the nitty gritty of the super mundane stuff. And we sort of ignore that that's the context of letting your light be seen. Um, Like the context is, like God gave you this, it's all his already. Um, and so treat it like that, like treat it like that's the reality. Like 
you know, I, I'm sure there's statistically one of us in this call has to be the messy car person. I think that's got to be a statistical likelihood. It's not me. Somebody here totally is like, not looking at Caleb. <laughs> it's not me. Other, literally other people mess up my car and then I clean it up. Okay. That's literally what happens every time. But it's like, sure. that, it's you know, that shows you like as, as much as we don't want to admit it, like that shows you what you think about whether or not God gave you that or, you know, well, that again, God, God stuff is God stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with my car or my room or the code that I check in or the quality of this, you know, look, maybe, maybe I did this video and yeah, I skimped on a few settings that like most people won't even notice anyway. Like who cares? Mm -hmm. Like it got done faster. And then I had a little more me time versus, okay, but did, did God give you that tool to use? and a, a purpose to use it on or did he not because if he did then i think you should do it the, to the best of your abilities regardless yeah. of like you said re regardless of whether or not somebody's going to notice like, yeah and th that exact analogy is like something i've personally dealt with like a billion times right because that's the sort of stuff i do all the time and i'm constantly ha having that like struggle of being like okay but i know i did this line like this voiceover just a little bit off Nobody really is going to care, but every time I listen to this, I'm going to hear that and, and it's going to bother yep. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously there's perfectionism and there's yeah. sometimes it is just dumb to be like, no, 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 I'm not getting, I'm not <laughs> yeah. releasing it until this yeah. thing that literally no other human could ever detect is perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, Cause then you're like not serving the people with it, but yeah. there is also that, I mean, again, as a, as a guy who writes code for a living, there are so many opportunities to be like, well, it works. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's done. It, it technically meets the criteria that I was given. Yeah. Um, and you're not a coder, so you wouldn't understand. And <laughs> when it's like, yeah, but I know that that is hot garbage. And mm -hmm. it's if one thing in this ecosystem changes, it's going to and like, um, like that. It's going to yeah. sound exactly like that. <laughs> So like yep. knowing that you've done something that is not as good as you could have done and which really comes down to you're being, you're being a sluggard, like you're being yeah. lazy yep. and not doing the hard work. Um, maybe because you think at the end of the day, like work is just supposed to fund your, re your real life quote unquote, yep. or like all that stuff we talked about. Mm -hmm. I think this is a proverb, but the, uh, go to the ant you sluggard. Yeah. Uh, it's just like it, it teaches us a lot about like look god gave his natural revelation that he didn't endow with his image this work ethic that we should aspire to and and that's really convicting just to see like especially in you know special revelation in the bible god telling us like look these ants that i created that are way smaller than you you should be taking notes from them on how to work heartily for me and yeah. my glory. Uh, yeah, on how to glorify me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if yeah. anyone who doesn't really understand, any, let me rephrase that. The people who have the weird kind of two kingdoms view where it's like, well, yeah, work is basically only there so I can, you know, keep doing other stuff that's like churchy probably haven't read the book of proverbs very closely yeah. <laughs> because the book of proverbs mostly is about work 
It's yeah. mostly about do work with excellence. That's if you could point like one thing, except for like, you know, just be wise even more than that. But like one of the primary themes of that book is work, you know, like it's a father talking to his, his son, right? Like be excellent in your work. Don't be lazy, like do stuff right. Um, yeah. So on and so forth. Well, and let's, let's go back further. Like let's, let's make sure that for all the listeners yeah. and viewers, like, uh, God creates man yep. and puts him in a garden and gives him a purpose. Yep. Mm-hmm. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Cause the natural resources that I have supplied you with to bear fruit and become more than they are now. And then man falls into sin. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. <laughs> so right. many work, Christians- Work isn't lay- a result of the fall. Yeah. Right. The, exactly. The difficulty and, of work is a result of the fall. Yeah. And so many Christians labor under, it, it seems like this delusion that like just having to go to work and not being able to just hang out and have fun, t- fun times all the time is because of the fall. And like, no, no. like work is actually like, if we know anything from the creation account, it's that God sees work as an inherently human thing, like not working, like is subhuman, like by being lazy yeah. all the time. By avoiding hard work, you're you're actually contributing to a, a dehumanization of your of yourself. And I think most people um, know that, right? Like I think people get that, like deep down, right? Like in their in their conscience, like it bothers a lot of people, specifically, if you have certain personality types, especially, right? Like to not be doing something productive. Like I'm one of those people who I, I can maybe spend like, you know, a day just like, all right. I'm just going to veg out. I'm just going to like relax. And then the very next day, it's like itching to do something that like I know is going to mm-hmm. be productive because I, that's just, it's instilled in us um, inherently. Yeah. I don't really know any, any miserable people with a solid work ethic. Um, I <laughs> yeah. do know really, really <laughs> deeply unhappy, lazy people. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I even see it in my own life. Like I, 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 um, have seen patterns, especially working from home. Um, and actually I was unexpectedly let go from my job at the beginning of March, right before the plague. Mm -hmm. Um, I start a new job that I'm super excited about a week from today. So praise God for that. But, um, realizing how quickly I fell back into just some terrible habits, Mm -hmm. like, um, getting up in the morning, getting to my home office, drinking my coffee, not really starting my day, um, being lazy, maybe I'll, maybe I'll play a game of Hearthstone or watch Twitch, you know, cause I'm, well, I'm waiting for the coffee to kick in, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and like you said, that, that makes me miserable. I'm anxious. Um, hmm. I've got the, like, I'm doing something bad and I know it anxieties, yeah. um, which then turns to like, let's just get more YouTube going. Cause now I'm just trying to drown out the fact that like, I yeah. know yeah. I'm being lazy. Yep. Um, and then it's like been an hour and a half and I'm like, I hate life right now. Like I am, I'm so overstimulated. I'm not being productive. I know that I feel bad about myself and my situation. Um, and either I'm going to get up and start working, um, or I'm just going to have a really, really crappy day today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have had to tell myself that so many times over the past, you know, this whole quarantine thing, because I mean, I love being at home and being able to do schoolwork on my own like timetable. And I'm, I'm a very structured person when it comes to getting tasks done. Um, but I still fall into that like, oh, well, if I, you know, it's, 
Oh, it's two minutes past the hour, so I can, you know, wait until at least 15 minutes past until I actually start this task. And then, yeah. you know, by the time it gets there, I'm not motivated anymore. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just making excuses now. Like, if I got the work done, I would feel a lot more accomplished and, you know, feel like I'm actually doing something good with the day that's been given me. Yeah. There's, and there's nothing worse for me than like sitting down to play a game or something at the end of a day where that's already what I spent most of my day doing when I should have been working. Cause then I'm like, this isn't even fun. Like I've been doing this all day and it's, and I've, I've attached in my brain, like these synapses of like, this is the stressful thing, right? Cause I was doing Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. when I was procrastinating and I was getting super stressed. Now I'm doing it with nothing to procrastinate and I'm just as stressed because (laughs) your brain is like, Oh wait, I remember when we do this, it makes us stressed out. <laughs> like, no brain, yeah. you were stressed for other reasons, but. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we we talked about that a lot in the episode that we did just on. Productivity. I think it was the episode, well, we did both an episode on rest and on productivity. Yeah. And we t- touched on this a lot on both mm-hmm. is that we have to have work and rest in the right ratios. Mm-hmm. You know, God specifically gave us one Sabbath day out of a seven day week so that we would be working most of the week and then have a specific portion to rest. And so we have to understand that if that ratio is messed up, then like there's something in our nature that just says something's wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. The the lesson that I taught for the youth group also is the same exact thing I did a lesson for the youth group on the Sabbath, but then started with the first part of that command is you shall work for six days. Mm -hmm. And on the seventh, you will rest. And we always take that last part and we're like, so it's a sin not to rest on that seventh day. But Mm -hmm. it's like, well, that's also being sinful if you're, if you think that you don't have to be productive for those six days and really just be lazy and um, stuff like that. Uh, There's a verse, another verse I was was thinking about talking about all this is first Timothy five, eight. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for mm-hmm. members of his household, he has denied the faith and is, and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. Um, and so people can fall into the trap of thinking that providing for your family is not that big of a deal. And it's not really a God glorifying thing. Um, and somebody could be like, well, no, I just need to, like, I have my passion is for ministry. And yeah. so instead of getting a job to put food on the table for my family, I'm going to go out and preach the gospel and then that becomes sin because I'm putting my family at risk and not providing for my family, yeah. which the Bible says means I deny the faith and I'm worse than an unbeliever. So you can't, you can't really get much worse than that when the Bible calls you that. So, <laughs> or, or I can think of a situation, another situation, right? Like, or I'm going to go like all, thousands of dollars into debt to go to seminary right. when I know that I, yeah. I shouldn't and I should just, uh-huh. you know, like, and, and, and my wife tells me this is a horrible yeah. idea and but is I'm not called, comfortable with I'm this. called the ministry. So, you and, know, and yeah. spiritual risk. That's, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh man. Hashtag yeah. triggered. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, we, we had, uh, um, but we, well, I should say we heard a sermon, um, from, from a guy that, um, basically said that, that he did a whole sermon on spiritual risk. I mean, he took James, uh, two seventeen, um, where it's like, um, if, if I, uh, um, what, what is it? He took a verse and just totally destroyed it by changing the word 
and making it risk just oh, so it would yeah. fit with his theme. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember what verse it was. I love, but... I love, the, I love the convenient redefinition. Yeah. It's always, uh, it's always he, a great move. Yeah. yeah. He, I think yeah. I remember he basically like defined faith as like taking risks. Yeah. If it That's does not it have yeah. works instead of, so also faith by itself, it does not have risk is dead. That's what it was. Yeah. So it was works. It was risk. So it's like, I don't know how you got that connection, but <laughs> Um, regardless, he started talking about this story where he was like, I can be a youth leader down in, in this uh, down south and um, my wife. And he was like literally all from the pulpit just bashing his wife by being like, my wife didn't want to take this spiritual risk because she, we didn't have money for it. But I was like, no, we just got to trust God and do it. And I'm just like, are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? Like, like you're trying to make yeah, yourself seem holy. I didn't even get that whole sermon, yeah. so oh, I don't no. remember that part. Yeah. yeah. Why did you oh, start it to begin with? <laughs> morbid curiosity. <laughs> and, if yeah. I, and if I've learned one thing from eight years of marriage, it's that you, you can't be a good leader if you listen to your wife. You got to just shut her out. <laughs> And just blaze that trail. Like, <laughs> tune it, tune it out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, block yeah, I, out the I'm, haters. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 33 days away from being married or something like that. So it's good to get that advice now. <laughs> yeah, you can actually. This is, this is this is a weird little little hack. This was one weird trick that uh, complementarians don't want you to know. But you can be the head of your household and also listen to your wife. Right, a fellow Christian <laughs> with also God-given wisdom yeah. and a brain. Uh, those those two aren't in conflict with each other <laughs> it, at it, all. It doesn't sound so. very loving to me to to make to make your wife be living in constant worry and anxiety and stress because you're making bad yeah. decisions. <laughs> right, or or simply not taking the responsibility and providing for your family. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're in a hard place because I um, I've been doing the music for our church for a long, long time, and my friend pastor just is like, "Are you sure that you can't just come on staff and just actually do this and like help bring people in and just like really oversee this?" And I'm like, "I I want to do that, and that is like life goal, <laughs> but." it's going to happen when like we've got enough savings and investments and like, right. I, I always joke. I'm like, yeah, well, once I'm independently wealthy, I will do that. But <laughs> yeah. like right now I'm not like, I don't, it doesn't feel like the wise godly thing to do yeah. to go down to making no money with a mortgage and three kid, three small kids and mm -hmm. all the stuff we have going on. I've never felt like God called me to take that risk. And I'm not saying he doesn't for people. I mean, yeah. I, I know that my pastor does not get paid nearly enough. Um, <laughs> and we try very hard to like make sure that he does. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, for some people that is the thing to do. But I think the majority of Christians are not called into any sort of paid pastoral ministry. And I think that's because of the way God made the world. Like, yeah, um, there, are, there are way more cars to fix and lines of code to write and you know cupcakes to bake then there are <laughs> churches um to pastor and that's if that doesn't tell you something about the way yeah. that god wired the world then yeah you, you're dumb <laughs> you're dumb <laughs> you bit well just kind of as, as we close up here then again i just want to encourage you sean that 
you were a good dad and a good fa- and, a, and a good husband for what you're saying here. I'm mm-hmm. proud to have met you. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, this is just an internet call. I mean, <laughs> my wife could just yeah, that's true. Could be died. They, they might not exist. exist. <laughs> like my, my my wife is just a scarecrow that's yeah. in the corner. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, they're real. They're they're great. So, if I if I wasn't if I wasn't married, would there be flowers and books no, on my? Absolutely list? not. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> my retro gaming shelf, babe. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, yeah. Um, one of the things that came to mind when uh, I don't remember who brought up the verse, but the my thing was Connor. Um, the whole like city on a hill, like light, your light shine, that whole general concept. Um, one of my favorite songs um, for is for a while now was uh, Shine by the Newsboys. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> City on a Hill, City on the Hill by uh, Casting Crowns. Um, several years ago, they they made this this song. Uh, it's always been one of my favorite songs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, just because of the way that it describes um, that, it kind of ex- extrapolates on that passage, um, right? Like the city on the hill, and and kind of you know obviously goes off of uh, the whole thing of like the the different um, members of the body of Christ, right? Like that whole whole thing. But I, I think that has a lot to that that whole concept is a lot. What am I trying to say? My brain is not forming these sentences correctly um those concepts have a lot of, have a lot of uh, overlap um the the body of christ and the members and the idea that like not all most not most christians are going to be ministers of some sort right like uh the the passage that i really like in that song is you know it, it was, you know, the whole song is basically like all these different t- groups of, of people in this city are just not, dis- they're disagreeing with each other. They don't know how to get along. They don't understand each other. And one of the... Each 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 group is, uh, sees the other group as having a flaw. Yeah. So for instance, you see the poets thought the dancers were shallow yeah. and the soldiers thought the poets were weak. And, and then it goes... Elders the saw the young here. ones as foolish and the rich men never heard the poor man speak. And then the chorus goes, you know or actually the bridge, I guess, but it was the rhythm of the dancers that gave the poets life. It was the spirit of the poets that gave the soldiers strength to fight. It was the fire of the young ones. It was the wisdom of the old. It was the story of the poor man that needed to be told. And that, that has always been so powerful to me, that that uh, bridge, particularly just because of its the way it speaks to the life of the body of Christ um, and, and the way that we as Christians do each other a disservice when we're constantly putting ministry you know paid vocational ministry up on this pedestal um when most of us are going to be doing regular jobs going to be doing regular things and a lot of those jobs are going to be vastly different from each other and we're going to have to get over ourselves and and try to understand how each vote possible vocation um is important and valuable to the kingdom of God specifically, right? Not just to the world, but to the kingdom of God. Um, yeah. Angel in chat said, all of us have essential work to do. You know, the coronavirus, <laughs> <laughs> there are no non-essential jobs, except if you work in the government, I guess, but. <laughs> hey, oh, I knew we'd get there. I knew we'd get there. Yep. Eventually. 
but yeah right like that <laughs> yeah, that is like, uh, important to think about yeah i mean there's the whole um i think it's paul that explains like there are different parts of a body but they all make up a whole and they all help the body function in a way that's necessary even though they don't all do the same thing yeah. and that's a good thing yeah um i mean right now i am a a dishwasher in assisted living um and so but and i anticipate that until i am a full-time homeschooling mother i will probably do jobs like that um and so it's i mean that doesn't really bother me it used to bother me i used to think oh i would not want to do this for that much longer like this is horrible but now i see it as like i get an opportunity to find ways to glorify god in this position while i'm here and you know that's that's an honor yeah and 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 granted there are a lot of ways to do that being a dishwasher and assisted living like <laughs> there are a lot of people that complain and there's a good opportunity to be the person that doesn't complain yep. and doesn't like make a big deal out of everything every little thing that goes wrong yep. which is not me trying to put myself on a pedestal yep. i'm just not um i'm particularly not the person to be super outspoken and complain in a work setting, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it says a lot to be the person that isn't losing their marbles in a work situation. Mm -hmm. Oh um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I work in a deli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, I think, I think a lot of people would ask the question, like how, how on earth am I supposed to glorify God washing dishes? Right. And it's like, wash the dishes like, <laughs> yeah. wash yeah. well yeah like yeah like you may you might not get a trophy or you, you might never get a, a late night interview spot for washing <laughs> dishes but that doesn't that doesn't change like we we are too stupid to understand why god chooses to glorify himself the way that he does and so if he gave you a pile of dishes like you should assume that he intends for you to wash them and that that yeah. will glorify himself since that's what he is all about so like i don't know man wash the dishes like yeah. And, <laughs> and, and yeah and, and have a good attitude because that's that's the other thing is like he's also very clear like do it with a grateful heart not yeah. not just like a i'm not actively complaining like you're actually supposed to be like all right god thanks for these dishes to wash yeah. like i hope this honors you the way i wash them yeah and i've i mean by by his grace i have noticed that over the last, I've, I've worked there since July, so it's almost been a year now. It will be a year when I move away to college. Um, but I, I've noticed over the time that I'm just like bussing tables and cleaning dishes, like it, that job has given me time to actually spend time in prayer and thinking over theological things that matter. Mm -hmm. And that has been huge because mm -hmm. I don't typically carve out time for myself to do that just in my day-to-day -day life. But when I have a job that forces me to be by myself doing certain tasks, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I am getting pleasure in not only doing this work, but also while I'm doing this work, being able to pray and yeah. to think about like, how is this work sanctifying me? Because it is, I can tell. And mm -hmm. that, that was, that's been a huge blessing. Yeah. And imagine if you thought that job was beneath you, like, right. <laughs> which is where I, I also think so many people get tripped up is they yeah. just think this job is beneath me, you know, whether it's the, oh, I'm a barista, but really I'm a, 
journalist or I'm a podcaster or I'm a, really, you know, I'm really an this other thing. Influencer. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like I, I don't want you to think that I'm this because this is just this is just get a, a stepping stone to the other thing. Yeah. Like, like, like somehow it's beneath your station to be doing what you're doing. And when you don't think that a job is beneath you, you can actually find, like you said, weird things that you just enjoy about it. I mean, mm -hmm. I did coffee shops. I did landscaping. I have worked just about every job there is. And there were things, so many things that I enjoyed, like, not just like, oh, I like that I'm outside or I like that I'm going to get a paycheck. Like I actually enjoy this thing that I do on the job. Like it's, it's fun. There's a satisfying element to it. And like, yeah, I mean, I got to spend lots of time praying landscaping because you just are mowing lawns and there's not much else to do or, but like you find things you're like, I actually like this. And I, I'm not going to let somebody tell me it's stupid that like I enjoy, you know, it, I don't know if you're anything like me, but it's like, there were, were always weird things. Like I loved the, I loved closing and uh, closing up the trailer. It was just satisfying. It was spring loaded and the way it like, you know, and like I had I love like pulling the dishwasher down. It makes a nice clink sound. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. The overhead sprayers. If you get to use the overhead oh, sprayer yeah. on that springy arm, that's always the yes. best to just when like, you finally. Okay. So I, I worked as a dishwasher for like three years at a, like a country club here in Janesville. And like, it's the, there was something so satisfying about getting to the end of a night mm -hmm. and having done all like, cause most of the, everybody else is gone. You're, you're washing all the, like the cooks dishes that they bring from like, you know, mm -hmm. from the rest of the place. And you're just, you finish it all up. You're by yourself. You finally just get it all done. Everything is clean. Everything is put away. You've mopped the floors. You've washed the, the mats. You've done everything. And then I'm just there and I'm like, all right everything is done and then i made myself a sandwich um because they let you like just get you know make yeah. sandwiches in the kitchen if you wanted to um yeah, and I, yeah, yeah I, I just sit there and be like there you go i did that yeah that was good yeah i i read uh for a scholarship application that i was doing for nsa i was reading um the boys in the boat which is a nonfiction about um about a rowing team from uh washington state university um or rather, I don't remember which one it is. It's Washington State or University University of Washington, um, and and they like went to the Olympics and won. Um, but one of the specific people that it focuses on, um, it talks about him uh, like working like night shifts at a YMCA, I think it is, um, and and it talks about his experience working as it was cleansing for him. It was like satisfying in the sense that um, it was something that he felt good having accomplished. And that's always a word that that book used that I've stuck with dishwashing is like, yeah, that's cleansing work. It's like, once you finish, it's like, oh, I've, I've done something like I did a lot of stuff and I did mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that was like really refreshing and like, I mean, for me, it was very spiritually, it's been very spiritually like cleansing and it, it, it cleans you out in the sense of like, you get the chance to think about things and to, to not only do things with your hands, but to do things with your mind while you're not, you know, talking to people. Um, yeah. so that's, that's always a, a view of work, at least over the past year or so that I've, that I've noticed that it's, it's very cleansing experience to go through. And so it's, it's not only, um, it, it is difficult at times, but 
God does give us blessings in work that not only can you make money from it, but you can actually feel a spiritual, a physical, a emotional yeah. reward from it. Yeah. The sense of accomplishment is also like a blessing from God yeah. like to be able to look and be like, there was a pile of dirty dishes and now there's not, now yeah. there's a pile of clean dishes. And like, I did that. Yep. Mm -hmm. That feels good. And again, there's like a little cultural bug out there. That's like, you shouldn't feel good about that. Like you're <laughs> yeah. washing dishes. That's <laughs> yeah. so like, who cares about that? And it's like, I do. Cause those dishes got clean yeah. because I cleaned them. Like, <laughs> and more importantly, God does. Right. Cause yeah, we, we did you. And if you're, you know, you could do that to, to glorify God and doing good work does glorify God. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Any, any last thoughts here as we kind of close this out? Well, the, the last thing that, that I would, I would say um, is as much as we talk about how important uh, or I guess how you don't have to feel guilty about um, just doing a good job in your workplace. I still think um, it's important to remind people to look for those opportunities to, to share the gospel mm -hmm. and yeah. to, you know, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, call people to repentance and faith. Um, and Cause, sometimes you don't believe preach the gospel. If necessary, use words as a good average. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. like do good work to prove that you do believe the gospel that you're preaching to, to back up, right. to give a foundation yeah. to your, your preaching. Yeah. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. Yep. Right. Um, you might not have a job where the opportunity will present itself for you to, you know, sit around and talk about the gospel for hours. And I would say, if you are just sitting around and talking about the gospel for hours on your boss's paycheck, and th that's not good. Yeah. You know, that's not a holy thing for yeah. you to do. Yeah. Um, but learn, still learn, look for those. Go out after work with your coworkers and talk yeah. to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, um, you know, obviously, obviously find what your, you know, your boss will approve of that you are not, you know, uh, going against his wishes and those things. Um, but th there still are uh, ways that you can share the gospel um, in work environments, you know, even if you don't think that you really have as much of an opportunity, um, for instance, I used to work at a grocery store and you can't really talk as a, as a bagger and a checker, and you don't really have time to share the gospel with your coworkers between customers because, you know, you can't, you can't have a gospel conversation with a stranger in two minutes and, and then end it before the customer gets there and, and, and like, it's, it's, it's just a mess. And believe yeah. me, I, cause I had certain <laughs> conversations. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so what I would do is I would just get a bunch of gospel tracks and I just put them everywhere in the break room, just everywhere, just hide them in under magazines. It's just, or just like lay out a big pile of them on the break room table. Like I just put gospel tracks everywhere and I strategically friend requested all of my face, all of my coworkers on Facebook, and then would share the gospel periodically on my Facebook page, um, or like friend a bunch of them in one night and then share the gospel in in my on a Facebook post so that you know we just got friends and so now it'll appear on the post, um, and then I would do a good job so that everybody knew this is you know the Christian that you know, even though I've never had a gospel conversation with you in person because I can't because. Our work environment doesn't allow that. Um, but I still, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, my work ethic and, and I've tried to find ways to share the gospel with you. Yeah. So um, look for those opportunities, but, but again, don't be, don't be 
uh, neglecting your job in order to preach the gospel because that just doesn't, yeah. that does, that's not a good yeah. idea. It's just counterproductive. Yeah, counterintuitive. counterintuitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for being on. That was a great episode. I really like that. Absolutely. Yes. Pleasure. Yeah. That was really fun. Um, so and I'm, yeah. I'm assuming you have a Twitch channel though. You want to plug yourself? Oh, yeah. Do you have any social media stuff that you want to want to plug? the peeps um my twitch channel is dead i mean it's not it's there but i haven't i haven't done any content in a long time so you can follow me on uh, i'm on twitter uh, at sean m bragg s-e-a-n-m-b-r-a-g-e uh instagram is the same um there's not much there it's a lot of old man yells at cloud but um, yeah join, but you should follow me and we can expand this brand. weird what a brand. weird growing circle of twitter friends yeah, that is developing yeah. so yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i i'm really excited with for all of these episodes because i'm getting to know a lot more people on twitter like more personally and it's been really cool just to see their heart and like actually be able to have like video chat conversations like this and, and kind of um and then it makes our interactions on twitter and stuff more more meaningful more deep so that's really cool um yeah so as for the rest of the kind of the week here for streams we have uh the hellbreaker sequence tomorrow at 6 p.m central standard time which i'm excited about um and then terminalia should be thursday 7 p.m central standard time our D campaign like usual um and I think tomorrow is the plan. I'm going to be working a lot on my website tomorrow to make sure everything is up and ready for this. But we should be releasing the first episode of our new podcast, yes. which is not live stream, but it's recorded. Um, disagree with me. Me and my friend Angel Rodriguez uh, have considered conversations on taboo topics. Uh, first episode is basically just our like kind of mission statement for the podcast and like what it's about. Why disagreements as a Christian are good and uh, don't need to be shied away from. So it's exciting. It, it'll be fun. If you ever need me to come on there and disagree with anyone about anything. Yes. Awesome. Always, Perfect. I'm always ready. Yeah. I'm yeah. Always ready. The, the, the running joke with the podcast is um, uh, me and Angel are really the only thing that Angel and I disagree on or whether or not, whether or not Chipotle or Qdoba is better. Um, and so, you know, anything even like as <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to even ask because that that could that could undo this relationship <laughs> we just built yeah right now it could. It very very well could very well could <laughs> all right i think that's it from us here at the christian artist thanks for watching thanks for listening thanks for being on sean yep adios <laughs> see everybody